Hey, Gary. Yes? Hey, do you want to do a podcast with me where we explore core topics? Oh, fuck yeah. Yes. Hey, and let's call it Queer Nundrum. Oh, my God. Yes. Awesome. Please listen carefully. Hey, welcome to our show, Queer Nundrum, a show that basically deals with our queer history, and it is a platform that aims at educating ourselves, our community, and our allies on everything queer. So from terminology to history to sci-fi, fantasy, you name it, we talk about it here on this show. I'm your host, Holly Greystone. And I'm your other fabulous host, Gary M. Thorne Jr. Hey, gorgeous. Hi. You're looking so good. I'm just, I oh. love, you just seem like you're, you're glowing. When we first, oh, well, like yeah. before I hit the record button, I was like, I really want to say that, but I'll wait. I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> I always glow. <laughs> there was a few times that a hangry, decaffeinated Gary was oh, yeah. not a glow. Four weeks till ca- caffeine. Four weeks, and I can have caffeine again. Now, do you think? Now that I'm counting. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I can see the markings on the wall behind yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you? Do you think you'll be at the same level of ca- caffeine intake? Or are you gonna? Are you? I don't know. Like for me, I'm a two to three cup co- cup of coffee person, but usually I already cut it with decaf, so it's half calf already. So. I'm probably not just for the reason that I'm um, with all the surgery I've had down inside me, things will affect me more anyway. So I'm going to bet I go down to a cup of coffee a day kind of thing. And I'll probably still have some, I'll still have some decaf later on, which still has, as everybody tells me, yes, I know audience. I still have, I'm drinking. It's just a 10th of the, of the caffeine but they let me drink it. So please let me have that. <laughs> it matters. It matters. <laughs> we had a, so my first, first day home, first morning. But yeah. So talk uh, about coming home and then yeah, we'll get into sure. more about me. We sure, can start okay. with me and end with me. It works. Yeah. I, hey, you know, it's sandwich <laughs> goodness. It's all good. So, so I'm home for those of you who might be catching this, you know, a little bit later in the season, I have been away for a little over a month. My wife and I uh, own some rental properties and we kind of inherited them. And so there was a lot of work that needed to be done. And being a ninja that I am, I collected all my power tools and took off for a month and did a basically a whole remodel. And I've been gone for a month. So I finally came home and it was amazing. It's just, okay, I'll just, I'll start from that and then I'll pick up with the whole coffee conversation. So I yeah. get home I leave everything in the car. I, I I take the car keys with me, but that's it. I I, I leave everything in the car. Uh, those, <laughs> if you, I don't know if you saw Gary, but I had all I had taken a before and after picture trying to load all my stuff back into the car. Oh no, I didn't see that. Oh no. uh, yeah, it looked. I was like, mm, this is going to be the TARDIS. It's is it bigger on the inside? I don't know. <laughs> I fit like a rotary saw, table saw. I had four tool bags six different types of power tools plus my luggage plus my work plus my studying materials just all this i had an amazing amount of stuff and mm-hmm. i not only was i able to fit it into the car but because i know physics 
I also strapped that shit down inside my car. So if I were to get in an accident, majority of that stuff would be fastened to the vehicle and not and it wouldn't kill you and wouldn't kill me because a large amount of people actually die in car accidents by the objects flying around inside their vehicle and i'm Mm. like i don't i mean i'll be a statistic i'm sure no matter what but i don't want to be that statistic it's like i know better so i strapped everything down and i was pretty proud of myself and i i posted out on our social media and i thought it was just kind of fun but anyway so i leave all of that in the car and i i start walking into the house and as I'm approaching the front door, I see this blur run past our kitchen window, which runs the whole width of the kitchen. And I just see this blur and the door gets thrown open and Des is right there. She's got this big smile on her face. I obviously am beaming ear to ear. My dog is all about it. He's I was going to say Max, I'm sure. Oh my just- gosh. I, so I, so we're kissing, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're embracing and hugging and just, you know, so happy to be back together. And meanwhile, my dog is licking my pants to the point that it's wet Aww. in that one spot. He was just so excited to see me. And I was just like, ah, oh, this is, this is worth it. You know, the, everything I've, I've gone through for our family and, and, and for our future was so worth it just for that moment of embrace. And it was great. And so Des was working on, she had come up with a a fondue picnic. She made a cheese, like a, I think it was like six different cheeses that she melted. Yeah. It looked really good. I saw the picture. Yeah. Uh, It's it's some things to like dip into that. She laid out these, this uh, Royal purple colored blanket and, laid all the deliciousness on there was trying to wrangle the animals away while trying to set out the flowers and do all these things. And, and she was so cute. It was great. Meanwhile, I, I had an issue at the new rental that I just left and the renter and I were on the phone and we were kind of dealing with the, the, the issue. And I turned the corner and I walk out to the living room and I see what she has done while I was on the phone. <laughs> I was like, um, I'm going to have to let you go. My wife has just made a romantic picnic in the middle of the living room and has put on a wonderful record. And I'm going to have to end this conversation. And I could hear my renter on the other end start crying. Like, oh my God. This, this, you need to go. Like, just so excited for me. And I'm like, I just couldn't do I just hung up the phone and dropped it where, right where it was at. And it was great. It was just, it was amazing. The thing, she did a lot of, great crafty and organization things. We just moved into this house. So it was nice to, to kind of see that some things are taken care of at the house. It was not expected. It looked amazing. She's very crafty. She, uh, she redid one of the bedroom walls and prepped it for a project that we, part of the reason why I brought home some of those power tools. We have a project that requires some different types of power tools to do these weird angle cuts and mirrors and stuff like that. So um, she prepped the wall for that and it's, that just made me so happy. <laughs> my, my very crafty and handy wife is just being a that's neighbor. sweet. Yeah. yeah, it was great. And then the so kind of get to what started the conversation. Coffee. So we have what's called weekend coffee. It's coffee that's from all over the world. Um, either someone has given us, or in this particular case, Des signed me up for I think Christmas uh, for a six month coffee trial. So for every okay. every month we get new coffee, and so we call it our weekend coffee. And it was one of those moments, you that first sip that you had this outer body experience where your soul returns to you. And it's just this, ah, yes, I'm awake and I'm here for it. It was fantastic. And it was needed because I slept terribly. We are not used to sleeping in the same bed. 
a one month apart has really changed the way we sleep. Like the, my side of the bed is messy. I take over her side of the bed. I man spread. I often have to compete for the, the blankets between the cat and her and vice versa. So we were tossing and turning and grabbing our different like blankets and stuff and trying to stay like covered throughout the night. And it's I mean, last night we, I think we got a little bit back on track. It's taking about four days, but it is, it is definitely different. And I have woken up a few times thinking I'm at my mom's house and to find <laughs> that my, to find that my wife is actually there. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm home. This is right. Okay. This makes sense. Instead of waking up vice versa, thinking that she should be there and she's not. And that's being yeah. sad. So I'm grateful that she's, she's there. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Super that's really good. If not, yes. you know, there might be some issues. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd be like, uh, yeah. wasn't this project wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. <laughs> <laughs> you should not lose somebody over it. No. And you're, you're done there now, right? You've got some, I know you've got some issues still need to be done, but you're, yeah, you've got it all taken care of. With all the delays and the products being, being brought in on time, we had just some finished things that needed to be done. Some trimming around the windows and the doors. There was a kitchen sink issue that I talked about in our last episode Yeah, they're, they're working on resolving, which is unfortunate, but I, I, I know it's in good hands. I know these individuals pretty well and they're good humans. And I appreciate that they were able to step up and help. And as, as a result of that, Des and I had a conversation and we decided to give the whole rent for free because they're having to finish a few things. It's way more than necessary if I had paid somebody else to go in and do it, but it was necessary. So for like the month or for two months? Okay. Yeah. So they're able to, to, you know, just kind of relax and, and finish. Well, I bet they appreciated that though. Oh, absolutely. And so do I, because otherwise they wouldn't have been able to move in for another two weeks and I would have to still be there. And I, I'm grateful that we were able to come to a wonderful situation that you know, everyone's happy with. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm, and I'm glad you're back home. Like I sent you a text. It, it feels like the world's right again that you're yes. back with Desiree. So Funny story. <laughs> you and a handful of other people said the same thing. They're like, okay, <laughs> all right, this is good. This makes sense. I was like, I was really worried. <laughs> I was like, we're, I, honestly, that, this will never happen. But if we got separated, I, I don't know what will happen to the world. Like for some reason, if we just decided to go our own way, I already had one friend say, I'm keeping her. So as long as you're okay with that, she's staying my friend or I'm going to have to drop you. And I'm like, wait a second. I've known you for years, for like over 10 years. You can't, what? She's like, yeah, she's that cool. And mm-hmm. I'd be keeping her. So you best not misbehave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm not going to be the reason this thing ends, but okay. You know, but I've had a handful of people say that, like send me wishes and congratulate. And I just, I don't know. The outpouring of love has just been tremendous and heartfelt. And I really appreciate it. Well, that that's really cool though. I know that my um, brother and his significant other, they've, I don't know if they'll ever get married or not, but they've been together forever. I basically said the same thing that, you know, if I have to choose, I'm going to go with Sumi. It's, you know, that simple one. Right. My brother goes, I get it. I understand, you know, <laughs> right. Um, I've never had that experience in my past relationship. Oh, I couldn't imagine that. Everybody's yeah. like, oh, thank God. We were just sitting yeah. on the sidelines, just waiting for that relationship to end, which is a terrible thing to say to anybody going through a situation, dealing with a separation years later, maybe, but not like that first year. It's just not, it's not cool. <laughs> oh, I told it just recently told a friend that's been years ago. That they finally divorced and 
they finally said, well, I, I, I know you don't get to see this person anymore. And I finally told them that's okay. I hated that person. And they were shocked, you know, cause I wasn't about to say anything to them, but you sure, know, sure. I figured this has been like almost 10 years ago. It's so been I feel a while. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I, I, have, I would say my last two relationships, I've had a number of people say the same thing. Like, I might not have said this before, or they'll even say, some have said it right away. Like, yeah, that wasn't meant to be. Really glad that ended. You'll get over it. You'll be fine. Kind of, yeah. you'll muster through it situation. Mm-hmm. But there are people that you you kind of sense that maybe they're not as compatible. And I really can't imagine. I We're going down this dark road that I can't imagine happening with you and Desiree. I can't imagine happening with Dina at this point. Right. So it's not... I think we're all good. So it's, that's great. Eventually we're going to live in a big house together. So, I mean, Oh, Oh, you mean all four of us? Yeah. All four of us oh. are going to live in a house. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. I, yep. And you're going to mm-hmm. take care of the three of us. Cause you're the young. So sure. Oh, by the way, Dean, mm-hmm. my husband, for those of you who don't know, which I talk about all the time, he's actually getting ready to try to quit smoking. <gasps> I am so happy. Oh my gosh, I'm so proud of him. That is a hard thing. For for him, it's been, so we'll see. I'm hoping he's, yeah, uh, Wednesday is his date that he says he's not going to smoke anymore. So I'm really rooting for him. So everybody, positive thoughts going out for that, please. Right? <laughs> I was a smoker for a while. Oh, um, me too. It just took me a while to get through it. I oh, me too. For all the reason, like I knew the science, I knew the medical history, all of it. And I oh, yeah. still chose to smoke knowing that my, I have a family history of addictive behavior. And I know that if I had started, it was going to be hard. And I still chose to do it because that was just the phase I was in as a yeah. young adult. I started when I was 21 and I ended when I was about 28, 29. So I really... And even now I still smoke a cigar every once in a while. Hmm. I just, I like a good, just a good tobacco leaf that's been treated with love and wrapped in deliciousness. And so, yes, I will smoke a cigar every once in a while. I I smoked from like the age of 16, but back then it was more trying to be cool because I was such a fucking nerd. I was trying to, you know, so I didn't smoke all the time, but if I was around people who I thought were cool, I would smoke. Right. I, didn't or smoke I would smoke. Or I would smoke more. I got pretty yeah. good at smoking where I could blow smoke rings. Uh, and and I, I didn't, I didn't even inhale. It was, it was just then I really started smoking about the age of 20, 21, you know, where, and then I smoked. And, oh my gosh. Probably till I was 35 ish. Mm. Okay. Somewhere in there, I can't remember now. It's been long enough. I can't remember anymore. So I just, one day I just, I was so busy. It wasn't one day. I was busy during a holiday season. I was working in retail and I ran out of smokes and I would be too tired and shops would be closed and I'll get back to work the next day. I was working 16th and I just forgot to smoke (laughs) and I wasn't hanging out with people that were smoking and I realized, oh, I could, yeah, I definitely could smoke and just do it. So I quit cold turkey um, when I finally made that decision for myself, I'm glad I did too, because that's stinky. And those of you who do smoke will probably have relate to this. And maybe if you need to get when you're freezing your ass off and your country has ruled that you're not allowed to smoke in buildings and you're trying to warm your hands up and you burn your freaking face with a cigarette, butt. yeah, you should probably not. I never did that. I, Sadly, the reason I finally quit is this is tell you how long ago it's been 
when it got to being five dollars a pack for smokes I know a I, lot of you know, people i'm done i'm that's i i don't know why that was finally and i was never i would smoke like a half a pack a day i mean it wasn't like that was like when i was just stress smoking so i, I it was never i was a pack a day yeah. I was so it was a pack a day smoker i'm glad i'm not but yeah it got expensive i know a lot I of know. people who stopped smoking when it went from one dollar to two dollars back i remember when i if i was looking for specials i could use to find it for 75 cents that's crazy. But then I couldn't get the marble mediums. But anyway, they were marble reds at that point because they didn't have mediums yet. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. I was a Nat Sherman because it had less carcinogens in it. It still wasn't. Never, that I don't know which one that is. It's a premium cigarettes and it okay. is fantastic. And if I ever became a smoker again, that would be my smoker choice. But they are also stupid expensive, so I won't do it. So. Plus, my wife doesn't approve of it, and I love her more than cigarettes. So <laughs> I'm easily going to say no to it. So um, just a little bit what's going on with me, then we yes. should probably get into the show. I'm enjoying this. So we can just keep oh, going. Yeah, but, um, right? <laughs> it's uh, very exciting. So far, uh, since my pre-op diet started, I have now lost 40 pounds. Since, the, since the surgery nice. itself, I've lost almost that and I've lost almost 20 pounds. Okay. So, um, and I'm getting my, um, incision and the, uh, bruising is still there, but not near as bad. I get to hopefully swim in two weeks. I'm excited about that. I know uh, how much you love swimming. Yeah. And I've, that's really, so I'm excited to be able to do that. I'm, I have one more week. Well, up until Thursday of eating pureed food. So I'm doing that right now. And then, um, I get to move into soft foods <laughs> as long like as I can cut it with cake soft. I can never eat sweets again. They'll probably uh, make me throw up. So I'm never going to eat sweets I will again. Ne- I, pumpkin pie. No, I don't like pumpkin yes. pie anyway. So um, that's not, I'm trying to think of something that's a pie, sweet potato. Sweet yeah. potato no, that cause it's, pie? I could do the sweet potato, but you have to add sugar and stuff to it. And I'm not supposed oh, to have any of that stuff. Okay. So. This shows how much I yeah. actually bake, which is not at all. <laughs> so, um, which I love just plain sweet potatoes. And honestly, when my, with my eating issue, it wasn't a lot of the sweet things anyway. So uh, it's okay. Great. So I never, yeah. Oh my God, I never get to have, you know, the one that's going to bother me is, is gummy bears, those kind of things, mm. but not even that bad. It's more like pizza and potato chips. Those are the things that. And do you have a support group around you for, for as those things kind of become? Oh, honey, I've got, I'm on a Facebook, a men's only bariatric support group. Okay. My, uh, the people who perform the surgery, we meet once a month. And then also my dietitian, Kay, who's wonderful, has said, you know, email her anytime. And I might have. And then plus I actually have met a couple people who I didn't know had had surgery and I've been very open at work and everything, every place in Gunnison about my surgery. And I found out two people who live here have had the surgery. So they're more than willing to help me. So I really, I've been very, very open. That's part of the reason I'm doing this on the podcast. Let people know. I don't <laughs> want this to be a secret. I want to say I'm doing it. You know, I'm glad that you do. Cause I think it's good to have representation in all aspects. Not that any one individual should represent all individuals, but I love that you're comfortable with that. But more importantly, and why I asked the question is that you have a support group. And I that makes me so happy 
because I care about you. Your family, right? No, well, oh, you're yes, cheesy, yeah, oh. but I know. But your family, and it's it has family and people that we care about in general. You want to make sure that they have what they need, and I think it's important that we do that for each other. We just check, mm-hmm. like, yeah. I might not be your support system in that you talk to me about your concerns about X, Y, or Z, and I am for others. We have people. We're surrounded by people every day, and so to have your support group on Facebook, your support group with your medical team, your support group with yeah. the other you know entities that you are connected with is fantastic. Yeah. And is extraordinarily important to our well-being because medical changes in our lives are not just one dimensional. There are multiple multiple facets of our lives that are tied into that and they're going to you know, they're going to need support and I love mm-hmm. that we have that. So, cool. I'm I'm very happy for you. And the other thing um, I get to say is that my uh, best friend from high school, mm-hmm. Bruce Carter, is going to be moving in with us for a brief time period because he's been through a very rough year. He's lost his mom. And oh. so he's going to come live with us for a little bit while all the paperwork and shit gets settled. And then, so I'm, I'm excited about that. And I, sure. because, and what a blessing to help another human being. Well, you know, I, I try to be there for people. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited about that. And he should be here next week unless he changes his mind again he keeps putting it off i gotta do this and this and this sure you know how you do so yeah so well um, the reason we're recording on easter happy easter and for those of you happy zombie day and he has risen you're welcome there's a gay porn movie called that (laughs) you're welcome or he he has has risen risen. (laughs) oh gosh oh my gosh i don't okay all right wow wow Thank you so much. Where are those Easter eggs at? Nope. Oh, nope. there they are. No, 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 oh. no, 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 nope, nope. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Etch and sketch, etch and sketch, shake, 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 shake. All right. Anyway, so I'm going up to see a friend who is going through a separation and oh. it's, I think it, I would say it's a long time coming kind of situation. Bravo for, they gave it the effort. They really mm-hmm. did. There's just some things that didn't happen that were, you know, just things didn't work out. Whatever the reason is, and I won't go into it because it's not my story to share. I am grateful that I have a loving and supporting wife who is going to give up their spring break to go with me to spend a week helping this person. And yes, we're going to relax. We're going to go and, and do some things. We're going to see the Downton Abbey exhibit. We're going to go and do some do some fun things, but in between. Where are you going? Can I ask that? Yeah, we're going up to the Spokane Valley area, the Spokane okay. Quarter Lane area. And I didn't so, know there's a Downton Abbey exhibit there. There is, yeah, there is. So I sound like I live right next to you. Still. Yeah, <laughs> no. Well, and with COVID, you have to have a reservation, and yeah. you'll you have to you have to arrive at that particular time window, which is fine for us. And we have a whole spa day. Just complete pampering, head to toe, loving it so much. And it's just, I think it's, I think it's good if you have people in your life that can make the time to do that. Not everybody yeah. can, you know, there's, there's people. Well, and Desiree in particular, such a giver. Oh my god! I gosh. can't imagine, you know, she's just that if way. Anyway, I just so. try to picture like, not, not try to picture. I shouldn't say that, but I, I did imagine earlier, just earlier today if I was in my previous relationship with my ex, my ex fiance, it would have been a hard no. It yeah. would be go by yourself. And that's, I'm not saying name, but the one that I know, correct? Yes. Is, yeah. Yes. Okay. 
it would have been a hard no or go by yourself or use your own money. It would have been a very you selfish bitch. You know, it just would have been a very isolated, you do you whatever situation or you didn't or it'll be gaslighted. Totally gaslighted. Like, oh, you're so selfish thinking of yourself. It's like, what? Wait, no. And so I the it's set and does has to work with my scars and and vice versa. We all come with scars when we enter into a relationship often. Desiree is perfect. I don't know. She's pretty perfect. I'm sorry. Uh, she laughs that we talk so much about her. And I was like, well, you're part of, you're part of our lives. <laughs> Mostly mine, but you're part of our lives. I love you. I've baby. known her longer, whatever. Dude, <laughs> I, I'm wrestling you right now. Let's do this. It's going down. It's going down. Okay, anyway. Next, Desiree, next time we'll talk a lot about Dean instead. Okay. Just so you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out something to talk about Dean. Here's, I, here's the reason I think we talk about her so much. She has so much character built yeah. into one so much character and talent built into one person how do you not there are well, just kinda, some people that I'm are like say, that. that says dean too to a degree you know she's much bubblier she's a she's very bubbly personality bubbly but you know so i think we both hit the jackpot on people with smarts and talent so yeah yeah. Pretty okay. Anyway. I, there's one thing I wanted to talk to that I put it out on Facebook and Twitter. So you probably yeah. anybody listener, but um, the fact that I'm actually, I've got both my COVID shots. Dean has both his COVID shots. Yeah. I got my, I, I don't have it yet, but I am on a schedule somewhere. I had gotten the text message from the department of health saying, Hey, you're eligible. Keep this text message so you can show it. And I'm like, well, that's weird. But then I think about the the societies that we live in now. And it's like, yeah, that's the that seems about right. The bullshit. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I called every pharmacy and every place I know that has had the COVID vaccine available to them you mm. know, to administer to the public. And a lot of their information hadn't been updated in like 16, 17 days. And oh, wow. literally after I got off the phone call, it felt like all these facilities got the new information because I got the text message around noon. I called everyone and up, it went to the different places until about one thirty, mm-hmm. And then I imagine by like three o'clock, the administration of all these different facilities are like, Hey guys, we're going to have a change of plans. We're going to have a new clinic. We're going to have about a thousand people per clinic. Onset. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden yeah. these new rules are coming down the pipeline to them because they didn't get those messages. Cause they probably already got the vaccine, which I hope they yeah. did anyway. So I called the very next day and I got the last available appointment at 9 a.m. Awesome for when? Uh, not so by the time this show drops the ne- very next morning I will get my first vaccine okay, and I will okay. say for those of you who are listening if you have the opportunity to get the vaccine consult your doctor and get the vaccine. It is a scientifically proven method to help fight off this disease. And, and we're back with the administration who believes in science. We're back Yay. with it. Yeah. Here in the United States, that's for sure. But I hear a lot of people say, well, it happened too fast. And I'm like, okay. So you have the U.S. You have the, here in the United States, we have a postal service for 50 cents. You can mail a regular letter, but you could pay $25 and have it mailed overnight. Why? Because there's a team working around the clock, 24 hours a day, flying, driving, and training these materials across this country to get it to its destination the next morning. That's why you're paying $25. That's essentially what we did as a global community. Yeah. And on top of that, SARS studies and experiments have been going on for a number of years. And 
we basically just tapped into a system that was in place and amplified it by giving it more money and personnel and resources. Mm-hmm. So look at the resources, talk to your doctor, highly encourage you. I think you will find it to be very beneficial for you. Not everyone can. Some people, I know a few people that are allergic to a lot of different types of vaccines. And this one could very well be on that uh, list of options for them. So they would and have to be, forget, I mean, your doctor is going to say yes or no. Your doctor you know, will say yes or no. Yeah. And for this individual, it's, it's probably going to be a no. And they would be part of the air quote herd mentality because the only way that works is if 80% of the, the whole world gets the vaccine, then we can start thinking herd mentalities. Well, and it's like, and just, I know she's not saying her name, but uh, I think you're 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 friends with Drew Yolanda. Yeah, I'm friends with Yolanda. Yeah, where she had the terrible reaction to it, yeah. but she still did, it, and her doctor wanted her to do it, knowing she's going to have a terrible. And reaction. And they were prepared, and the doctor yeah. she had a support system, medical support yeah. system, on board for that. And there are yeah. some people that have more of a deleterious effect, and they just they can't. And that's yeah. that's fine. They're still practicing safe distancing and mask wearing and all that, but I just. My little soapbox there, having worked in the medical system for a number of years and having a biology chemistry degree, I don't know. I just, it just seems such a silly thing to be like, it's going to track us. You're walking around with a cell phone that has a fucking tracking device in it. I'm just saying you're being yeah, tracked. Just, yeah. As soon no as you checked in at that subway and got your punch card, you've been tracked. I mean, there's really, e- even here where I live, where it's, there's, so few people there's video surveillance everywhere you everywhere. know it's just the way it is okay here's the comf- here's the uh, add the the pros to that to some extent i know we can really get into the weeds on this but let's say because it's happened you're falsely accused of committing a crime but your cell phone pings and uh, of a tri- triangle different location during that time that you're supposedly committed a crime and it's like oh you likely didn't commit the crime because you were literally checking in at the coffee shop with your digital punch card. Yeah. And you got, they got you on camera. Okay. You're not the likely suspect. I'm just saying there's some pros to the system. Yes. There are abuse to the system, but that's where we use our, our brains and our laws and our lobbying and our shit that we can do to make this better for us. Anyway. So I thought we should probably start talking about the yeah, episode. Yeah, we should probably I, jump into this. I, I thought I'd take the lead on this one because I know what you're going to make a statement on. You're not the most comfortable with what we've done. It's a tough subject. And yes, I'm not comfortable with it and I, for various different reasons. But it is a it is a hard topic for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I I'm not excluded from that. But I also don't want to shy away from conversations that are vital to our community, subcommunity, and culture. And so it's important for us to recognize that within ourselves as hosts, um, doing the due diligence for our audience, you guys, that we honor that. And I just, I am uncomfortable. And that might come out a little bit more as we progress into our our show today. And I, I hope that... You find this as informative as I'm sure I will. So what we are, what Holly is inferring is that we are talking today about queer priests and nuns and their quote unquote acceptance in the Catholic church. I first wanted to start off with this little ditty, just a few seconds of it. One of the queer people who came out really after uh, she left 
left being a nun, was uh, Jean Deckers, who was the singing nun. Um, she Her big hit song was Dominique. It was, I mean, it was an international number one song. She's from Belgium. And it went number one in America. This is back in the early 60s. And uh, she did not come out till years later. Tragic death that she and her partner committed suicide in 1986. Um, oh, shit. And again, that just, I think, says that the entire time, and for most of her life, even though she had lived with this woman for years, they did not talk about, she said they were not, they were they were just really good friends. Later in life, after, after she died, we found things that, there were things that were found that showed that she and her partner had more of a life together than, what was originally? I, I feel like I had heard something about this at some yeah, point because so yeah. someone had likened I was because I was living with one my very first relationship. I was living with my best friend and we were together, and we never said anything to anybody. We really didn't even say anything to each other about it. It was just the way we lived and the way we behaved with each other, and um, it was very intimate. And it was. It wasn't, I guess we just, we were just roommates and people, someone had mentioned to me then this like, you know, liking our, that relationship to, to this relationship, obviously it didn't end the same way, but that they're, they are long-term roommates with obvious, obvious feelings for each other. Oh, and that, I mean, I think every person before they came out might've been in a roommate situation at one point or another where they might've had more feelings for the other person than the other person even did. Um, I can attest to that. What I found really interesting in, in looking up more information on this, a lot of this I'm right now is coming from Wikipedia because, you know, it's it's wonderful. Um, there will be other stuff I'm using from YouTube. And um, the original idea this came from was a piece that CBS Sunday Morning this did on gay clergy in, mm-hmm. in the Catholic Church. I am going to read a couple on the Wikipedia page. Oh, and I want to say for this, this just says so much about our world we live in. Wikipedia has a ton of different things on gay priests. There is nothing on nuns who are queer. Nothing. that uh, they're Yeah, lesbian. I nothing. noticed that too. I was so pissed about that. So, yeah. Um, oh, and I will, I also want to state, folks, I know that um, one of the reasons we didn't want it, we, well, Holly wasn't quite sure about it, I think. So if I'm putting words in your mouth, Holly, slap me later. Um, <laughs> we, this has nothing, there is plenty of proof to show that being a gay priest or a gay nun has nothing to do, it's totally separate from being a pedophile. We think it's terrible. We're not by any means endorsing that. We are talking specifically about queers in the Catholic Church being priests and nuns and the conundrum of why they're in the church. Yes. I will also add a qualifier to that. There has been, historically, there has been a lot of pedophilia being pushed on the queer community because they're different. Not just if they're related or associated to church, but in general, especially men and 
our transgender community as well. It's like, oh, you must be, and these hateful slur words, which I won't give credence to at this point. And it's important to understand there is a strong delineation between between that. They are not related. There's a lot of studies no. that. Show that. Um, so this is just a sub piece of that whole conversation. Oh yeah, and it's even I I think you stated but making it very clear that the church has tried to put those two things together, and it's been proven that being queer has nothing to do with being a pedophile in the church. It's been proven with the church. Yeah. They ignore that documentation. They're all they want to say is well, that it's, it, it's the same shit you see with like crack. Crack is a drug that's that's brought in by people of color because it beefs them up and they're going to take your wives or opium. Ah, oh, it's it's it's, yeah. it's an Asian thing and they're going to take your wife. Like there's all this demonization and they attach it to a culture that's predominantly non-white because it's a way to create an othering and hate towards other people. This is just Not another my fault. Right. And this is just another example of that. Obviously, there's very different effects and different aspects of that. So I'm not trying to downplay one or the other, but that the Catholic Church is doing a lot of that same mentality of creating an oh, other and, and, and putting down people and holding up their own doctrine, which they have a whole history of doing in general, but particularly a strong proponent toward anything homosexuality, which we're obviously diving into and what the subject of our conversation is, is the conundrum of the fact that there are gay priests and nuns. So um, the Roman Catholic diocese, you know, says that every, that all nuns and priests should be celibate. We, we've right. known that for years, but if you look back, that was a decision that was made a long time ago, but it was not from the very beginning. They decided what happened with all that is they, didn't want to lose their when the when a priest or a nun died. It was mainly a priest because it was before women could um, hold lands. They didn't want to lose the land that that priest came in with. So at some point, the Catholic Church goes, "Well, fuck this noise. You have to be celibate. You cannot be married, so that this land that you have with us does not go off to your to the next person in line." So right. anyway, so many. So many issues with so this. Um, many things with that. And then having children to keep the church population up was a huge thing with the church. Right. Not for the priest, but for the congregation. It was highly encouraged that you had children and as many as possible. Mostly but just not for the but yeah. not for the people who had God, you know, not, not for the ones who are supposed to talk directly to God. But. Yeah, exactly. And so they it's just anyway, go on. So um there's a <laughs> 1961 document entitled careful selection and training of candidates for the states of perfection and sacred orders that states homosexual men should not be ordained. And again, however, most people at the time just ignored that because they're going to be celibate. They didn't really care. But in 2005, the church clarified that men with deeply, and I'm quoting, with deeply rooted homosexual tendencies cannot be ordained. The Vatican followed up in 2008 with the directive to implement psychological screening for candidates for the priesthood. Conditions listed for exclusion from the priesthood include, quote-unquote, uncertainal sexual identity and, quote-unquote, deep-seated homosexual tendencies. So they did not want, they, for some reason, (laughs) 
don't want gays in their church. And even this is what bothers me so bad about this is that if they are practicing celibacy, what the hell difference could it possibly make? Right. This is, this really bothers me. And really you, you go through and that's basically everything has been treated. We did have Pope Francis mm-hmm. who finally did say, uh, who am I to judge? But he's gone back on that. In, two, in 2013, he, he, when somebody asked him about, about gays in, in the church, he goes, oh, who am I to judge? But right. since then, he's gone back on that and has said that gays cannot be priests or nuns. But has not, if correct me if I'm wrong, has not said that homosexuality in itself is a sin, but just that they are not allowed to serve in the church. They're not allowed to serve in the church. He's been really, he's been very he's political. About Remember, that, but cool as like if the congregation, if a yeah. member of the congregation is, it's not correct. But, me. but you're right. Except they don't want that gay person practicing. They, they still, they shouldn't have sex. Right. Because that's still wrong. So they can be gay. Just never have sex again in your life. Right. Which I'm sure you're going to get into. There's been a a couple of priests that have come out and said, that's not fair. They're not able to live their truths. And that's not, that's just, and I'm gay, like have come out themselves or have come out in support of. Oh, yeah. And we'll get a little bit of that. I wasn't that, I just more, I'm I'm going over that for me, it's more the hypocrisy of the church. <laughs> There's so many to choose from. Yeah, I know. So it's, um, and I, I don't want to also, I understand the people who get are very much, they get their warm, that's their security blanket is the Catholic church. And I, and I have friends who are, that is where they come from is, is the Catholic church and they, they love it. So I'm not by any means, I don't want to, if you, this is what you, this is the church you believe in great i just think there's some from looking at it from this perspective there's some things out there that they should change right and honestly anybody from that perspective from another perspective should look at it as an opportunity to say yes there's things that we can do better how you know and communicate that and open up conversation about it rather than just shut it down and just saying oh you're dissidents and we don't care about you um but rather say yeah gary I get what you're saying. There's been some history. There's been some whatever. Let's talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, we might offend somebody who's of the Catholic faith. It's certainly not our intention. Really what I aim for with this podcast and anything else that I do is the open dialogue to learn. And And have some great conversations. Have great conversations. I might not change my mind. You may not change your mind. But that should never be the point of the conversation. The point of the conversation should always be an opportunity to have the conversation with the respect and dignity of a fellow human being sharing their thoughts and feelings. If it gets to the point that you're so angry, then really the problem isn't the conversation. The problem is your own person needs, you need to deal with something there. My opinion. Oh oh yeah, no. And like it says here, uh, Pope Francis has directly faced questions from journalists about whether a quote unquote gay lobby effectively operates within the Vatican itself. Investigative journalists have caught several high-ranking Vatican clerics engaging in homosexual activity or yep. relationships. That's saying both, not just, you know. So from all, so all things, over the world. It's not like a localized yeah. thing. I think we're talking we're talking, yeah, specifically talking about in the Vatican itself, where we're talking the holy city kind of thing, you know. So this yeah. is where that's coming from. That it's still happening there. And there's a 
a senior pope priest who I cannot for the life of me pronounce his name from Poland, uh, came out as gay uh, and had his long-term partner with him. I'm not condoning him having a long-term partner. There is a thing for celibacy. If that's if you go in, if you go into the priesthood, you have to accept there's yeah, right. celibate. And, that, and I, I think that sitting there and picking the conversation, you know, picking at a person's life as a as a priest and saying, yeah, you know, I'm good with this, except for you do vow celibacy. Like, yeah, that is a thing, and it's Christoph uh, is the first name, and I'm drawing a blank on his last name right now. And he it's, was okay, in, Christoph Charisma. Charisma, Charisma. yeah. Forgive us. And he was fired. Like as he was finishing this public conversation on the week that everybody was getting together and having a conversation, there was like a huge Catholic event happening the following weekend or the follow, like uh, like a week after this happened and his ass was canned so fast. And there was, okay. He knew it was going to happen. He knew it was going to happen. There's, I mean, if you want to get into it, the fact that women can't be priests, that, you know, you're not supposed, you're supposed to be married to one person for your entire life and you can't divorce as a sin. There are so many things we're focusing on one issue. And again, yeah, a lot of churches have these issues. We're not saying it's, you know, they have different issues, oh, Yeah, but we're just you're saying dealing you know, with so, human beings. Anytime you're yeah. dealing with human beings, you're going to have issues. That's part of being human. If we were all meant to be exactly the same, God, this world would be full fucking boring. And it's not. Like, if you just, I will get into my own personal history here in my core corner, but as, as someone who studied the Bible and who is, a, who is a Sunday school teacher, we see Jesus' walk in life and his interactions with just the variety of unique individuals and how he portrayed that love to the variety of unique individuals. And you look at the various different types of religions across this whole world. A lot of the same things play out. God is love, love one another and treat each other as you want to be treated. They're very similar tenets and a lot. I mean, they're all culturally based, you know, religions to, to a lot of degrees and it's, humans you know we're awkward we're funky things walking around on two legs and we do stupid shit to each other and to our planet and you know you're gonna have these situations arise when you're in a religion situation so one of the things is that trying to determine how many and i'm looking here just at the the priest ones but for both for nuns and for priests Mm -hmm. how many are queer and there's a there was a there's a lot a of Los numbers Angeles. yeah there's a yeah. lot of numbers i mean but it's all out. over the place yeah the one that comes from los angeles times says 50 percent, which is still higher than the national average but most people think it's more like 50 to 60 percent of people who are in the catholic church as nuns and priests are there's queer. some that say it, they wouldn't even be surprised if the actual number came out to be 80 percent like oh, yeah and that I don't want, and you're right, in that actual CBS Sunday morning, they, they talked about that, that yep. they think it's very, it's very high. What bothers me with this is my assumption is a lot of these people who grew up Catholic, they feel good the only way they could be Catholic is to go in and become priests or nuns. It's so they would have to suppress to hide their, their straightness. Yeah. A, you are taught, and you know, because yeah. we've talked about this before, Gary. You're taught how to act straight. 
you travel with three people. You never travel with a, 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 as a no. couple. You always travel with the third person. That way there's no impropriety or suggestions. And even though it, it may very well be something else, but a lot of people make the assumption. I'm like, oh, there's, there's a couple going to the movies. Oh, I bet they're together. <laughs> no, it's it, it, if you see three people, you're like, oh, that's a that's a group of friends right there. They're straight. They're just doing straight things. Nobody cares oh, yeah. about straight things they're doing. It's a, it's a way yeah. of hiding. And a lot of people, especially years ago, you know, 30, 40 years ago, their choices were to go in predominantly heterosexual jobs truck driving or farming or some sort of, you know, high prestigious jobs that if you were gay, you would instantly be canned, but just swearing celibacy and hiding in the Catholic church was so much easier to, to do that than try to oh, yeah. as a, as, as someone else in a, in a different scenario. Well, could you, all I can think about is the fact of growing up with these feelings that yours is a sin to have knowing and again, I'm really, I'm taking leaps here because I, you know, I don't, but knowing how you feel, who you want to be with and your church, which most churches of the time did in particular, mm-hmm. said you could not be that you're a sin. Of course, that I would imagine that would be one of the easiest things to do to say, okay, well, I still love the church. I'm going to be part of this church. So I'm going to, my calling is that I want to be a priest or none. I just... I think it makes complete sense and I might be wrong. And if there's any priests or nuns out there listening, first of all, I'd be shocked, but please let us know if that's not the case. They're part of our conversation, right? We want this whole platform is about our community and they're part of the community. And And if you, and if, oh yeah. If they're listening, great. I would love your support. I would love your, I would love your knowledge to share so that we critiques. You know, we're not saying we're not perfect. Gosh, I like even Holly and I close, but we're not perfect, right? One of the really sad things in the statistics looking at is that, and the homosexual man entered the seminaries more noticeably through the 1970s and 80s. And looking more into that, that's from Wikipedia. But looking into it more, it was because that was a huge time of the sexual revolution, starting with the 70s, and it probably Mm -hmm. scared the crap out of them, going, "Oh my God, I could have sex with whoever I want to," and I'm sure that scared them because they're coming from a very chaste. I mean, the Catholic yeah. church is chaste. Well, and a lot of these individuals also entered priesthood or nunhood at a very young age before yeah. their own individual identity. What we do know is that our individual identity really isn't solidified until our mid, mid to late twenties. And you have a lot of that air quote, teenage angst is an expression of identity. And Mm-hmm. We have these young individuals who are in that purity phase of their life, having a choice given to them by their family. Like, hey, what are you going to be when you grow up? You need to decide what you're going to be when you grow up. Hey, when you grow up, you're going to be, what are you going to do? Kind of mentalities pushed onto them. And so fear of, uh, well, if I'm gay, my family is going to hate me and all these terrible things are going to happen to me, but I would rather, I'd rather be burned or tortured for something else and, and die a more noble death and do more air quote honor for my family than for them to ever find out that I'm gay. And so here, here remember, I go. 
but committing suicide is a sin. So they could yeah. not, expect, I mean, so you got- That was another, yeah, it was another fear factor. Absolutely. And so the other thing that really gets me is if you look at the statistics for age-related death among priests, mm-hmm. it, the quote I'm saying here is more than six times rate of the general population in the 14 states studied. And this is gay priests and heterosexual priests because they weren't taught how to deal with their sexuality. Mm-hmm. And by that meaning, they were taught nothing. Just don't have sex. Right. But they weren't talked about anything else that they could do. And again, remember, folks, masturbation is a sin. If you're not having sex to procreate, you're not supposed to, which is another whole thing where we're getting the people who have had vasectomies and their tubes tight. But we'll leave that one alone because it's so many things. Right. But so but it's also not what we're getting into in this conversation. Yeah. So they, all these people who were dying, and then again, oh, imagine it shows that the the church, quote unquote, might have covered up statistics that it was probably more. And so these people who, I, I just can't even imagine the pain, that the horror they'd go through, where they were doing what they wanted, they were they were allowing themselves the freedom to have sex, whether straight or queer at this point. And then because they didn't know the proper ways to deal with it, they got AIDS. Right. And at the time we're talking, it was a death sentence then. It wasn't, you know, it was something now you can live with and you can manage and yeah, have a pretty normal which life. AIDS is a whole nother show for us to address. It, yeah. There's a whole conspiracy about keeping that silence and, and denying anyway. Um, basically, most of uh, the other stuff, it just, it keeps talking about the, I, I want to, about their, whether they're out, the statistics, which really nobody can prove because not everybody's going to tell the truth, you know? So it's something that most people think it's, a, I mean, if you look at most of the statistics, most people think it's between 30 and 60%. A lot of yeah. people think it's higher than that. And then to have this church that says you're, you're bad, which they do. They do. That you're bad that, you know, no matter where they've gotten to that says you're bad and they still love the church, what else are they going to do? There are some priests that are that have been out. I'm not really worried about, I, unless there's any picture you want me to talk about. I think um, I think the conversation should include Greg. And I'm going to mispronounce his name, Greeton, G-R-E-I-T-E-N. Okay. The reason why I think their, their name should be at least mentioned, I would even say on the level of honorable mention is that they have taken that leap to jump into the public eye about who they are. They're celibate. Mm-hmm. They're priests. They are out of Milwaukee. Their congregation supports them. They are struggling with their identity because it's considered a sin by, by their, by their church. And, Greg has said, it's like, especially because people have asked him, it's like, well, why are you part of this church that condemns gays and doesn't love you? And it's like, the church is my home. Like the Catholic church is where I was baptized. It's where I was raised. It's where I want to be as a priest. This is who I am, but I shouldn't deny my identity as who I am and, and then deny a group of people. There's a, their identity because the church believes that I, truly believe that God loves us and who we are. And Greg is one of a handful of people that have come out publicly and, and to his congregation, everything and to his congregation. And 
even smaller handful of people who still have a job as a priest has been told by the higher ups to you know, keep it quiet, don't talk about it. Well, and I'm still waiting to hear like in a year or two he doesn't because of it, but we'll see. Right. And um, I, what I think is important is that we have in our community a high rate of suicide or self-harm, mental issues or concerns because of the hate that we suffer at the hands of those that are supposed to love us, that we're supposed to have secure attachment with. And that includes our, our religious roots. Some of us are Catholic, others are Baptist, others are Mormon, other of us are Latter-day Saint, whatever. We have these connections to another subculture within our community that also express at various different degrees a hate hatred towards homosexuality. And you have this individual who represents that, in this case, the Catholic Church and the love of God through the Catholic Church and the principles of the Catholic Church saying that they love and support the LBGT community. And what a blessing it is to members of that congregation who have members of their own family that are LBGTQ. And they have someone who can help them through that because they're raised in a culture that has taught them ubiquitously to hate and other, other individuals, in this case, the homosexual community. And to have a priest help them support them and walk them through that and, and help them through their growth and journey is a it's a fucking fantastic thing. And Greg and many other people should be supporting that because they are risking their life and livelihood to be true to who they are. Now they're not they're not living that truth the way maybe you and I are because they're priests and they're they're practicing celibacy and that is bullshit. But anyway, I think it's it's something to 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 mention here with. With him, and he does say in New York Times, they did a two-month study on on this particular subject about Catholic priests speaking out. He says it really never was my shame; it was the church's shame. They're the ones that should be shamed for what they have done to myself and to many other people of the LBGT community. And I agree; I could, I relate to that. I, I get it. The other person that I think we should mention in this area is. Uh, Michael Judge. Uh, he was a Franciscan friar and Catholic priest who served as a chaplain at the New York City Fire Department. It was while serving capacity that he was killed, becoming the first certified fatality of September 11, 2001 attacks. And he was open about who he was. So there, and there's, I mean, some of the most bravest people in this. Uh, I do want to, and it's not because I'm not talking about this in my queer corner. There's two movies that I've seen, and they're both actually older movies, but they're, I think they both really do a good job of talking about this issue. One is called Priest. Um, it was done in 1994. It is an amazing movie that stars Linus Roach, and I love this movie. I actually just saw it not too long ago again. I thought it was amazing. The other one is uh, called Mass Appeal, which from 1984, which stars Jack Lemmon. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, it deals with homosexuality in church. I did want to move on to talk about, because sadly there's not a lot to talk about lesbian. You know, there's just not a lot other than the fact some individuals that, and so I wanted before, to be able to talk. Before of, we jump into that, I do want to mention uh, just two more things, if I may. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, Rob, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, Bob Busson, B-U-S-S-E-N. Oh, yeah. Uh, was also interviewed by the New York Times. It's also a priest. Mm-hmm. I just want to also give some knowledge here for, to, to them. And, and the reason I'm going to get to, I'll explain why I'm mentioning their quote. And their quote is, I was in my 50s when they came out and I entered the seminary at 18, a young, enthusiastic, white, male virgin who doesn't know anything, let alone straight or gay. And there were years that I carried this secret and prayed was not that would God change me. It was, it was that I would die before anyone would find out. And and the reason I mentioned this is that whole praying in a way and that God would change me and that hopefully you die before someone ever finds out that secret is a fear that a lot. I know a lot of people of our community have identified with at various times in their lives. And, I am very grateful that they lived through those experiences and they are who they are today. I don't know where you're at in your journey and what you're struggling with as an individual, but I will tell you now, years from now, it's going to be very different if you're able to to hang in there. Again, don't know your, your individual journey. I know that a lot of people struggle with this and pray it away. I know I have prayed to God many a times and Things haven't changed, and there's a reason for that. And Bob Busson shares that experience as a gay priest, and I think that's important to have that representation in all aspects of our lives, but especially with our Catholic Church experience. A book that I'd like to mention, I have not read this book, but it is something that came up in my search that I think might be of interest to people of our community. It was written by Father James Martin in the groundbreaking Mm -hmm. Building a Bridge, a Relationship Between the Catholic and the LBGT Communities. And, I, and you might have mentioned that a little bit, Gary, about uh, James Martin, but I didn't know if you had realized that there was also a book involved in that. It, no, and I, I've actually read the book. It's oh. um, I back years ago when I was still living in Spokane, I was a reviewer um, of books and movies for the Stonewall, which is a... What? a publication there and um, the things i learned about you on the show (laughs) it was a really hard in a good way read okay Um, and i would recommend it to anybody i don't want to get into specifics because it's been too long so i've read it i don't want to but i just remember it being a very hard in a good way read it was just it made it gave you all the feels and i I remember loving it so well, I had, thank you no. for mentioning that because I hadn't thought about that until yeah, no you problem. said that. So, But I, I um, do want us to touch up on the queer nuns because that is something that isn't talked a lot about. No. There, are, there are groups of people who are air quote nuns, queer nuns, and they're not actual nuns, but we'll get into that here in a second. Well, so when you put in lesbian nuns, the, the things you get up is you do get uh, Bandita Carlini, who was a nun back in 1591 to 1661. You get the singing nun, which we talked a little about. Mm-hmm. List of former Roman Catholic nuns. Yep, not saying they're, yeah. Yep. Then we get Jean O'Leary, who was, she did a, which we will talk about a little bit, her yep. Sisters Grammy. of Perpetual Indulgence, which was actually a group of, of men who mm-hmm. which they do wonderful work they absolutely do but that's what they, i was alluding to i was like yeah. they're not actually nuns yeah and so this group of of men who dress as nuns and and 
in particular, they, they started doing it when the AIDS crisis happened. Mm -hmm. um, there's a film that comes up. All these things, nothing about lesbian nuns. And I, I wish I could say that better than that. And the thing about it is when you put in gay priests, you get a ton of things. Now, if we wanted to get into on both sides, the porn videos that showed up, which I wasn't looking for, kind of threw me a little bit. <laughs> on both sides, I did not Wait, want to see that. We oh, had Lord. two very different search engine results. If you got any sort of pornographic, I got like New York Press and Amazon. Well, and I also, activism. I mean, I went past like this second and third pages. I was really looking oh, for somebody did a deep you know, dive. Who goes to those pages? I for, Well, and then if you go to videos, you get that. So doing a deep dive, like, oh, Jesus I Christ, will okay, not yeah, click on that button. I'm looking at that yeah. button right now. I will not click on that I was button. fine. I'm going to say with looking at the, you know, the, the gay priest ones, but the lesbian <laughs> nuns, I go, oh. so, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and what, again, we've talked about in other things is they've given nuns in general you know just the soft storyline you know they're the mothers they're the caregivers they don't really and they've done some amazing things in history and then to try to find a whole lot on queer nuns it just doesn't exist until they've left the order you then There's you find out more of, on uh, like the untold untold stories yeah it's after the fact and I get this. I would say this is more and it corrects me if I'm wrong, Gary, if you don't agree to this, but I think it's because they're women. Yeah. They're women and that's women. There's nothing else. They're women. Shut down. They get isolated. They are. Yeah. There's, they're just, they're treated very differently from the men. And so they get pushed out of this, out of the order. Yeah. And then when that happens, here you go, you get, you get a lot of information after they left the order. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of that too deals with, and this is, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, coming from a male perspective, women are much more supportive of each other. And so they don't have to maybe go out to the public with things as much, even if they never talk about it, it might be easier for them to talk to another woman, another yeah. nun, I'm assuming, well, about their feelings. So I, I don't know. That That is a tricky, tricky situation. I think that there are societal difference in terms of the pressures that are put on yeah. the different genders. The fact that we have gay priests actively being in the order and still still have their jobs for the most part, there are a few exceptions to that. And the fact that nuns aren't, I think the church in general, even though we there's there is a history where women weren't even allowed to serve. And then there was, oh, now you can, but you can't be a priest. You could be a nun, but you still have to follow these same these same rules. But we're going to still keep you under oppression. We're going to suppress you and put you in this. Box. Well, and they become they become the wife of God. And they become the what? Yeah, exactly. And so I think that whole mentality right there. Yeah already sets the stage for the individual that might come into their identity as a non-heterosexual individual. And so then mm -hmm. they're presented by their head of house. This is probably a strong woman saying, well, you're different. You need to leave in order. You can't be the, you can't be the bride of God because you're different, you know? And so they get, yeah. there's a, I think the pressure system is, is different and quiet. Well and I always just love the fact, even just talking not in a queer term, but specifically then all of a sudden they become the wife of God. And where does the priest go? They become basically the 
they become the father to the congregation or to the flock. Mm-hmm. And I just, again, I find that so sexist. It's like, okay. It, it, I agree. I, again, I'm not like, I'm not a Catholic expert here, historian expert, but just from an outside view of this, there's definitely a sexist application to how people are d- delegated in these particular religions. I am. And many religions. And right now we're talking about the Catholic one. We could next week talk about any other religion. Find I need a, lot a break. Of the same I will need a yeah. break. <laughs> I'm just saying, I need another yeah. JoJo session after this one. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Jean O'Leary. She was she was born in 1948, died in 2005. Big American lesbian and gay activist. She was the founder of Lesbian Feminist Liberation. She co-founded National Coming Out Day. She was a lesbian and gay rights activist. Mm-hmm. She was a Roman Catholic religious sister. She would later uh, write about her experience in a 1985 anthology, Lesbian Nuns Breaking Silence. And basically, I'm not going to into a lot about all of her history, except for the fact that she finally came out and was a very vocal lesbian. Mm-hmm. She identified a lesbian. She did a lot very of work vocal. for our community. Oh, a lot of work. She like joined I said, the National the, Coming the Out Day. The Gay Activist Alliance, which was part of the Stonewall group, right? Uh, Marsha mm-hmm. P. Johnson and Sylvia had started. She was part of that activist alliance in, in the Brooklyn area. So there, here's a little bit of a callback, right? Well, and, I, and she was also the first openly gay person appointed to a presidential commission, the National Commission of the Observance of International Women's Year by Jimmy Carter. And she was in the 1977 National Women's Conference. Mm-hmm. The other speakers along with her were Rosalind Carter, Betty Ford, Lady Bird Johnson, and then the list goes on and on. So she was with well, these people. Hold on, hold on. There's that list. Come on. Gloria Steinem. Oh, Gloria Steinem, thank, Lenar Hershey, thank you. Cecilia Rojega, okay, uh, okay. Jerry Wheeler. I mean, it, it, uh, there's Randall, a bunch of names. Aubrey Colum. I'm just saying, there's a, there's a re. I love you, Gary, but I'm like, come on, man, let's not gloss oh, over some of no, these I was just, here. I didn't think all the people want to hear all the other names that probably most people don't know. You know, it's but our no, show. We do good. what we want here. <laughs> um, and I also like the fact she served on the Democratic National Committee for 12 years. Nice. Eight of those on the executive committee. She was a big gay rights activist. Uh, she helped out with AIDS. Could you imagine what she is a nun? could have done if she was able to be out as a nun yeah uh. as a nun um Ugh. and you know we don't even want to go there right now because that's another but just think about the fact if nuns and priests could marry right. where they who knows what they could do this woman all the all the shit she did in really a fairly brief time shows if the catholic church would allow these people to be out and proud, could you imagine what could happen in the church? I mean, there's, it just, it, it astounds me that this has gone on so long. There are so many areas in the church that are, I hate using this word right now, that are closeted. Right. And right, hold on, let's, let's explore that for a minute. If you don't mind me asking, why is no. that? Why is that hard for you that hate using that word closeted? Like, just because I don't want people to think I'm joking. That's all. 
Oh. I just don't want people. That's I don't want them. To I, I didn't time. think you were at all. I hope no. our audience wouldn't either. No. It's a terminology. Gen- I mean, it's appropriately used in this. People yeah. are being closeted. The church, the priest, the nuns, they're being closeted. So, but I appreciate you being sensitive and aware of that. So thank you. No, it's something that I was like, the Catholic church has for so many centuries made sure to stop things from happening, to make sure to keep people oppressed. And this is to me the most recent one. There is such a dire need of love and acceptance for our community. And Gary's right. Like we are seeing a large number of people committing suicide. And a lot of those individual needs can be met by their, by their community's religious groups. If it's Catholic or Methodist, Lutheran, whatever they, not all, but a lot of these organizations, a lot of these individuals are, have some sort of connection to a religious organization and what an opportunity somebody who is out in their community and being a priest or a nun able to reach out to that youth and support them through that hard time, reach out to that family and support them through understanding and growth as an, as individuals and as a family. And I would say the Episcopalian church, if I was going to go back to church, that would be the church. They have gay clergy. They allow gay marriages. I, I should say queer marriages. So I, I love that church. I still, again, think there's issues with Aaron. Um, I had many people talk to me back about Catholicism that it's like an a la carte, take what you want out of it. And you right. can't. And a lot of people do that. And that's what I feel comfortable talking about. On this I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I thank you. I did want to talk about one other thing that just is coming out. There's a book called Love Tenderly Sacred stories of lesbian and queer religious. It's Catholic vowed sisters share their experience of identifying as LGBTQ while making it clear they're not going away. I'm reading this directly from an article, by the way, Catholic LGBT nuns are speaking up again, and this time they have no intention of going away. It's by Claire G-I-A-N-G-R-A-V-E. So they, I'm not <laughs> gonna is, even yeah, not even gonna try to pronounce it. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't the, have it in front of me to try. Yeah. So. The anthology published by the LGBTQ outreach program New Ways Ministry tells the stories of 23 lesbian and queer religious sisters from different backgrounds, communities, age groups, and ministries. Sister Grace Sirdival of the Sisters Servants of the Immaculate Heart of Mary compiled the testimony. She shares her own experience in a chapter called Authenticity. It, it shows, and this is all these people, um, half the people in this uh, in these books uh, used pseudonyms. They didn't use their real names. Half used their half used their real names. So we have to, you know, we still all the stuff that's going on now. I just wanted to make sure that was yeah. a known, and then I think we can move on from there. The only thing I can really say at this point. One, we don't know everything about this. We can certainly jump into more specific topics. If you have a specific topic you would like us to do a a conundrum on, please let us know. Connect with us on any of our social media accounts or email us at conundrum at conundrum.com. We're happy to do some more research on that. We're even happy to bring on some guests on the show that are experts in this area. 
we aim to educate ourselves and our community on our queer history. And the Catholic Church is no exception to that. They may be hard and may be uncomfortable. And it certainly was very uncomfortable for me. Uh, the important fact is, is that we are, we're here for you. We are looking to educate ourselves and each other. We love you. We support you. We encourage you to be you and want to create an opportunity to give you a voice and opportunity to grow as individuals. So we really appreciate you guys hanging in there on this particular topic as we jump into our Queer Corner. Welcome to our Queer Corner. Our part of the show where we address questions from either our social media or emails or just some other random Q&A or piece of information that we want to share with you guys. It's a little more lighthearted and fun and, well, personal. I guess this is more of a personal. A lot, a lot of times we get to answer some personal questions like, what was it like when you came out? Uh, what was it like when you experienced X, Y, and Z? So if you have a conundrum question for us, your hosts, Again, connect with us on our social media account so we can get those questions answered. You know, that's what's up. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say at this point, I might be wrong, but I think you should go first. I think I have a fairly lighthearted queer corner. <laughs> I think so it'd be better to end on a lighthearted one unless I, I'm I, wrong about you. You picked up on some of those yeah. cues yeah, so. in our show, <laughs> didn't you? This is called active listening, folks. I, I personally, I personally went with more of a lighthearted take on things at this point because I knew this was going to be a deep dive one. So and, Yeah, for sure. For sure. So yeah, I'm happy to, to go into that first. Uh, so for me, for many of you do not know, and I was a Sunday school teacher for a number of years. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I remember kind of reflecting back as I was doing the research for this. I remember sitting as a child in Sunday school and wishing I could be different. More importantly, wishing that my sister was different. My sister's special needs. She's mentally disabled. She was born uh, disabled as a result of the cytomegalovirus. It took them 30 years to figure out that there is a whole subsect of disability related to that. Now, as a child, I believed if I prayed hard enough, if I gave enough money and time and energy, she would be healed and I would have a normal sister. Air quotes around normal sister. And it never happened. And so as a child, I started to believe that there's no real God. Flash forward, I'm coming out 27 years old. I had experienced just a few years prior uh, separation from the church. I was raised uh, in the Evergreen Church slash Baptist type church. And we had done a march in Seattle, which is a large city in the Washington state. And I had marched with my church. They bust us up there. And I had marched with the youth group at the time that I was a part of. And I was a young adult. I was in my 20s. And I, I marched against gay rights. And there were people saying that they'd gone through conversion therapy. And we went to like the baseball stadium. And there's all these people that are like on the sidelines yelling at us for doing this. And the church had prepped us and said, you're going to be yelled at. Just continue to beam love at them. God will heal them. God will see your love and your healing love. And they will, they, it will heal these people as they yell at you. And... Oddly enough, I went to this thing 
shit you not with my first lover. We weren't together yet. It was a couple of years later that we were living together as air quote roommates and we were together. And then later, you know, it became a lot more. Anyway, we were there protesting against gay rights and it felt so wrong. And I remember when I was going, my mom had messaged me and said, I, I love you, but I do not support this. I do not believe that she was also attending the same church. I do not believe that this is an appropriate behavior for a church. God is love. And I've always raised you kids to accept that. And I do not, I do not accept this behavior, but I love you still, but I very adamant about this. And I felt very conflicted because my mom has always been pretty solid with me. And I, shortly after that March in, in Seattle, I left the church because I started to express. Now I didn't realize this at the time. Uh, I started to express more behaviors as a Sunday school teacher, which is not an appropriate way to deal with things. I realized, but I was wearing baggy clothes. I would wear like a suit and tie. But then I would wear like really baggy jeans and stuff. And so the church eventually asked me to leave. Mind you, there was a lot of issues with the church at the time. And as a young adult, you start to realize that and you find yourself a little isolated. And I certainly felt isolated. And I haven't been back to the church since then. Now, Gary has mentioned the Episcopalian church. We have a few people in our social group that have that are part of the Episcopalian church who yes. have mentioned the, the, you know, the acceptance of people of our community. And for the first time, I actually want, I, I still have my Bible. I still pray to God. I still crave that connection. I still love that connection and that, that place that I was at as a young adult, but I have the way the church addressed people of homosexuality and the hatred that was there, even though my mom was very much against it. The church is a big body of individuals <laughs> expressing a different feeling. And it was, I don't know, it was just really hard to realize that I'm part of this community that the church hates and the church says God hates, even though my heart of hearts tells me that is not true. And I went back and revisited a lot of the written texts in, in the Bible. And I went through it again wiser, more accepting and loving towards myself and others, and realized that there's a lot of love in there for us as individuals and not based on our sexual identity or on our identities in general. It is a lot of love on God's children. And that was something that I had to come to, to come to terms with as, a, as an individual. And I I love myself and my relationship with God so much more. And I do so much more now as a result of that for my community because I've accepted that. And I, I look forward to finding a home, maybe even with the Episcopalian Church, Gary. I think they're a really good church. I think there are I, actually I, a lot of good churches now. I too, think there's a I, lot. Of, I think my... there's issues everywhere. But if I could be a part of the conversation to help resolve some of those issues, I'm here for that. I, I couldn't say that as a young adult. But I can say that now. Um, mine is just more... Uh, in relation to our topic, but on a much lighter note, there is a series that was on for two seasons mm-hmm. called The Real O'Neills. It was on ABC. It was a single camera sitcom. Um, and actually, I love the fact the series is based on, idea, on an idea by Dan Savage, who is a he is a he's actually a gay man who was married and has um, really helped with suicides and like that big supporter of, of the gay community. So, and he has a podcast too, which I, I, I was looking for and I can't find the name of it. 
what's really cute about this is it is a family sitcom, and I'm going to read what the, the plot is on it. The series chronicles the lives of a close-knit Irish-American Chicago Catholic family whose matriarch takes the, their reputation in the community very seriously. And she does. I watched all episodes of it. <laughs> I like how you laugh that out. You're like, <laughs> but I, I will let you know Dan Savage's podcast is called Savage Love Cast. Thank you. Because I knew I, yeah. even when I listened to it, I could not for the life of me remember it. Yeah, um, no worries. I got you, man. In the pilot episode, their perfect image is shattered when each family member has a secret field to the community. Middle child Kenny is gay. Oldest child Jimmy is anorexic. Youngest child Shannon is running a money scam and might be an atheist. And parents Eileen and Pat are no longer in love and wish to divorce. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, I sell this. It's a, and it sounds depressing, but it's actually very funny. And it's loving. You said it was a single shot, so they do. Yeah. They roll the camera through the whole scene. No, it just means that they're not. It's not. It's like how like Modern Family was done, or oh, it's okay. not the sing, it, it, the single. The single shot see, means like that. Yeah, I could see that yeah. particular uh, yeah. videography being making something like that yeah. funny and um so it but no it where a uh, single shot cameras just any of those kind where um a, a, a three shot is is the more what you know like um uh big bang theory was a three camera sitcom so they could catch it all it's more of a play where a single shot is more your you're doing individual scenes and then moving on, setting up to the next one. So that's what that means. Okay. And, um, but it, it, it's a hilarious one. It shows that with all the stuff that happens in a fucked up family, you can still love each other. Absolutely. And so I would recommend it's on Amazon prime. So if you have Amazon prime, I'd watch it. It's also good on abc.com. It's very sweet. It's a true sitcom they love each other silly situations but it shows what a family you know they they make it work no matter what and really most of us our families we make it work no matter what mm-hmm. and so i was trying to get where you went really deep i went a little lighter <laughs> just trying to i, I figured out I, I, I love that we could balance that out because we do not pre-script our show because we really want to be true to who we are for you i'm waiting for us both to have the same queer corner that's going to happen at some point <laughs> That happens. What I don't know. Do we get like an award? I don't know. I feel like we should have an award. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Anyway. But no, and also I did uh, to make sure Jeffrey knows. I have now watched several Drag Race. I really enjoy it. It's. I've watched. I'm so busy with work right now, but I'm. I am enjoying it. It'll take me probably years to get caught up to what season (laughs) is Drag Race on now. I'm watching Uh, season ten. I yeah. I think it's third. More, it's the 13 or more. Oh, okay, so yeah. I, I'm close. It's the first, I forget it's because the first there's season. also a European series as well. Okay, and, and I always it's, tend to blend them up with something else. It's very cute, um, and I'm enjoying it, but it's hard for me to, to watch a little, you know, like it's just hard to watch a lot of TV right now. I so. have not watched the lower decks only because I had just been extraordinarily busy, and finally, I, I am so home. as we can understand from this point. I like our viewers more than Holly does. <gasps> I'm just going to, our viewers, our listeners more than Holly does. Ouch. <laughs> because I listen to you folks. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I just, I have the power to edit. I want you to know. I can yeah. make, I can change your voice 
to say many other things. I can't actually do that. I, just, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I probably could, but I just do not care to do it. I just, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's I our, think this is a good time to wrap up. Yeah, for sure. So that's our core corner. If you have any questions for us, Gary might have a question for me next time we get on the show together. We'll see what happens on our next show. But in the meantime, if you have a question for us that you would like us to address on our Queer Corner, please, again, jump on our social media accounts. Send us a direct message. Add us. Do whatever. We'll check it out. Until next time, be well. And be queer. Thank you for connecting with us on this week's Conundrum. Connect with us on Facebook. Instagram. Twitter. At Conundrum Podcast. And email us at queernundrum at queernundrum.com. And please rate and review us on iTunes. Until then, peace and be well. And be queer. <laughs>